Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Women in Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Jazzy Bell. And on this show, we focus on the many talents and influences for women with culture. And today is going to be an amazing show because I have an amazing guest. She is a former music executive turned TV and film executive. Okay. And I'm so happy to be speaking with her today. Y'all say hello to Shante Page. Hey, Shante. <laughs> hey, thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for I'm being so excited. here. Here. I am too. And we're going to get all into the stuff that you got going on right now. You know, being the CEO of She's a Movement Media Group. Congratulations on that. I see you doing some major things. But since this is Women in Hip Hop, I want to give people somewhat of a backstory of your um, history in music. So, can we talk about it? Oh, so. <laughs> when I was, yeah, because it's like. It, it was so many decades ago, but when I was in college, I was determined that I wanted to be in music. And when I was, I was in the school of B at Howard university, HU, you know, we're, we're Howard university graduates are very proud graduates. So I was at Howard university and I was determined that I was going to be in the music business. And when I graduated, the very next day, I moved to New York, following behind Puffy, John Diddy Combs, because I was watching his moves going from Howard into, you know, working with um, Uptown Records. And I was like, that's it. That's what I want to do. Wow. Yeah. So Diddy inspired. So basically, when it comes to your music career, Diddy was the inspiration. I, I wouldn't say he was the inspiration, but I would say that he was the person. You always need somebody that you that you can touch, that you know that has done it. That that mm-hmm. you know that's that's that that you can say, hey, I, I want to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah I, I would say maybe it is the inspiration, but I I looked at him and said, "That's it. Like I wanted, I like I wanted, I want to dive deep in the music business." He just jumped straight into Uptown Records. He actually quit Howard, um, and I told my mom I was going to do the same, and she was like, "No, you're not. No, ma'am, you're going to finish." And I did finish. Um, but yeah, I was looking at him like, that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to get into music and I want to dive deep into the music business. I was very clear at a young age. I wanted to be in entertainment, whatever that was. 
you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and, and along the way I figured it out, but I think that's what young people have to do. I think you have to wear many suits and you have to figure out, okay, I'm a PA today. Okay. I'm an assistant director tomorrow. Okay. I'm an assistant for an A&R exec in the music business, you know, whatever it is. So you can figure out what it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking of trying to figure it out and doing many things, I know um, before you being the senior VP A&R of Universal Motown uh, Records, you had odd jobs. I watched some past interviews where you were uh, a waitress, a, a, you know, just an assistant here and there. But when it comes to the transition and getting the senior VP um, executive of A&R position at Motown Universal, tell me, how did that come into fruition? Well, I'm humbled. Thank you for for digging that deep into into my my journey. And yes, I I wore many hats. And um, straight out of college, I did wait tables. Mm-hmm. And I think that wait ta- waiting tables is a beautiful thing because you learn how to deal with people. You learn how to you're the person that kind of dictates the mood of somebody's dinner. You're the person that is the people person that's learning how to put on for other people, no matter what mood you're in. Right. And so I chose a restaurant that everybody and anybody who was in the business went to this restaurant owned by, uh, Alberta, Wright. May she rest in peace. Mm-hmm. It's Michael Wright's mother, and she had the most fabulous restaurant in New York, and you only knew about it if you knew about it. And mm-hmm. I was blessed to work there, and I was making a lot of money as a waitress. Jezebel, so, right? Yeah, Jezebel. So I didn't, I didn't look at it like <laughs> I'm just working at Jezebel's. I looked at it like, um, you know, I'm. This is it. Like I'm meeting everybody and anybody who's in the business that I want to be in. And while I'm waiting tables, I'm nonchalantly talking to them. And and I and I want to say nonchalantly because I've been to restaurants before and waiters are like, oh, you're in the business, so da da da, and they just start jumping in. And you can't do that. Like I built a relationship with these with with these people coming in. And so they would come in and they were they would request me, hey, I want I want Shantae to wait on my table. And I looked at that like I'm given the chance for them to really get to know me on a, a on a kind of a, like a impersonal basis. And when I say impersonal, they're not looking at me like, oh, she's trying to get a job. They're looking at me like, oh, she's, I know she's going to take care of me and she's going to make sure my experience is good. Mm-hmm. But in, but but then, you know, it's like, hey, I'm getting to know these people. So moving that into me doing um, events on Sunday nights, we did uh, Jay Norris, myself, Rooney Nelson, and, and Lorna Lightfoot. Um hosted tastemakers on Sunday nights at NV's, those same people would call us like, hey, I have this artist in town or hey, 
I need to get in or hey, and, and it was the hottest, the hottest ticket in town on Sunday night. So you had to know one of us if you wanted to get in like last minute on a Sunday, you had to know somebody. Right. Um, so it's kind of like, I didn't look at it that way now, like then, but I look at it in a different way now. I was a disruptor. I figured out a way to make these people know who I was, know me by name. So, the, you know, the, the L.A. Reeds, the Kedar Massenbergs, the Sylvia Rohn, like whoever it was, they had to know me by name. Mm -hmm. And is that ultimately how you got into the music business and making that transition into being an A&R? No, I got into the music business because I uh, I <laughs> had a meeting with someone, a lunch meeting, just on happenstance, and he, the person, it was it was a um, it was a uh, he was a attorney at the time, and he said to me. Uh, Jeff Jeff Finster was looking for an assistant at Jive Records. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, that wasn't music to my ears because I I was already making a lot of money at Jezebel's, and I was already making a lot of money on Sunday nights at MV. So I was like, mm, that's not really sexy to me to be an assistant. But he was like, no, you really have to get in and and get you know and get the knowledge. Like you just can't. A lot of young people think that you could just just jump in, and you can just get the levels. He was like, "No, you really you got to get in, and you've got you got to get to know the business, get to know the trajectory." And um, he's like, "I think you should interview with him." So he told me that I called. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. They were like, well, Jeff has already decided on somebody. And so then Ego kicked in and I was like, well, can't he meet with me anyway? <laughs> and, <laughs> no. you know, because that, that's what happens. And so... Jeff did, and um, and and the rest is history because he ended up hiring me, and um, it was valuable. It was it was so valuable. I'm so glad that I listened, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of pe young people. I think I think we think young that we know it all, mm -hmm. and we really don't. And you know, so I got in with Jeff. I worked for Jeff for about almost a year and then I moved on to other things but it was valuable it was such a valuable experience wow shout out to Jeff and I know you didn't mention the person that convinced you to you know to to take that next step but shout out to that person at that dinner <laughs> well, he's a lawyer, so I want to you know I want I, I want to maintain that you, you, you know he's a lawyer yes yeah, protect protect that. Okay, well then we could talk about uh, Universal Motown. Now there, I did see. I have to read this so that people can know how valuable your position was there. Um, in addition to you being the senior VP and our Universal Universal Motown, 
Um, you were also executive producer and handle production of hip hop and R&B headliners such as 702, Dave Hollister, Kim, Chico DeBarge, NDIRE, Erica Badu, Cash Money Millionaires, The Temptations, and Joe. During your tenure at Motown, these artists collectively sold more than 65 million albums worldwide, putting Motown in the black after a decade of losses. So kudos to Shantae. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now I want to say kudos to Kedar Masterberg because Kedar mm -hmm. was at the helm of, um, well, Kedar put me on. First and foremost, he saw something in me and he was like, what is it that you want to do? And I was like, I, I want to do A&R because at the time I had figured out that I wanted to do A&R and he gave me a shot and not everybody does that. So I really want to give him his flowers for doing that for me. So for the people that don't know, what does an A&R do? What does it consist of? Well, A and R, we we basically we find the hits, we find the producers, we find the songwriters, we put the song together, um, and you know it, it it can come in many facets, but at the end of the day, our job was on the line to find the hit. However, we found that hit. If we mm. found the hit, the same songwriter and producer, that's like wonderful if you found you had to go find the track and then you found the song somewhere else or you found the song and then you had to go get the producer to put the track to the song or you found the perfect song but then you brought it to your artist and they had to put their special touch on it however it was you basically had to find that hit and you cultivated that artist and you help you you develop that artist to mm. to make that hit what is a hit that you want the people to know that you help cultivate um well liar profile uh profile the song liar it was a number one song i'm very proud of that because nobody knew who they were and I, and I want to talk about that because I was at an event with them. They're performing. It was like for, for some type of festival. And we're, we're, they're performing. Nobody knows who the hell they are. And they perform this record. And all of a sudden, the whole audience starts saying the hook. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to say a curse word, but I'm not going to say it. I guess that's what they mean when you have a hit. Like, these people who don't know this record at all are reciting this record. Like, they're reciting the hook. They're singing it. Like, they're happy to sing it. And they were booing everybody before the group. And then now they're, like, singing, you know, the hook. So I was like, okay, this is what this feels like. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I think when you have a hit, when you get that hit record, you know, you, you feel it. And every, any A&R, any artist can tell you when they created it. In that moment, they were like, I, like, this is it. So 
when I signed Kim, Kim had already produced his album. He was selling it out of the trunk of his car. I, I, I don't take credit for adding on to it, adding anything to it. We basically repurposed it. I put my name on it as an executive producer. But that was him. That was Kim. It, it was a hit. Love Calls. Everything that he had in that album was a hit. I knew mm. it was a hit. Um, mm. And, you know, that's, it's just one of those things where you know or you, you don't know. And it's, it's just that instinctual moment where you, do you get chills? Does this make you feel good? Does this make you feel like, okay, this is it? And, mm-hmm. and, and when you when you get that feeling, you go with that feeling. It's a gut instinct. Mm. First of all, I love that song, Liar by Profile. You a liar, cheater, deceiver, heartbreaker. Let you back in my life, so I'm taking the, the house, car, the car, the kids, the dog. I want it all. You're Shate, yeah. thank yeah. you for sharing that story, girl. That's my yeah. jam. Yes, it was, it was, it was an incredible record. And then we brought Teddy Riley in, and he mm-hmm. added to it. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful time. I love the guys. I love the group. Um, yeah. And you know, I was young. I was young in the business, and just really getting to know myself, really getting to know the business. But what I did know was when I heard that record, I was like, I got to have it. I got to have it now. Mm. I got to have this record from my group. Mm-hmm. When when I mentioned 702, it just dawned on me. Uh, rest in peace to Irish. Yes. Um, can you speak to her, her talents, the group, but also your fondest memory of, of Irish, if you have one, that you would like to share? Oh, I, yes, I, so the group had decided they were kind of dismantled at the time and we brought them, Kidar and I, and, um, brought them back to Motown, back to, um, recording together for whatever reason, it doesn't even matter the reason that they weren't together anymore, but we wanted them to come back together. And I I feel like that album was magic. I Still Love You is a record that Pharrell produced. And to this day, people still play that record. They love that record. Um, I think think the ladies were phenomenal. it's very, it, 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 may she rest in peace. It's, it, I'm very saddened that, the, you know, that that happened. I don't, I don't know the details to what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know that um, I'm, 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 I'm blessed to have worked with them. I will say that. Yes. I'm blessed. I love that. Yes. Um, when it comes to being a woman in hip hop, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially women that I've interviewed on this show, not all, but some definitely experience like misogyny and sexism and you being a beautiful woman in this industry. I wanted to ask you, is that something that you felt like you experienced? And if so, how did you overcome it? Mm. I absolutely experienced it. 
I think that I was in a time when there wasn't a Me Too movement. It just it just was what it was. It's like you had to suck it up and take it. Um, and um, I had to go through a whole spiritual journey in order to deal with the repercussions of what I experienced in the music business. Um, yeah, that's what I'll say on that. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We were just taught to suck it up. Mm. You got to deal with anybody could say whatever they wanted to say. They could do whatever they wanted to do. I mean, it doesn't mean that somebody touched you inappropriately, but it does mean that somebody said things inappropriate. It does mean that there were inappropriate things as we perceive it today that would, like, back then flew that would never fly. So I'm, I'm happy that we're in a place today where... You know, it, it, it's a completely different space and that women are able to speak up and, and, and have a voice because when I was in the music business, that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. And and thanks for sharing that. And you said that, you know, you basically had to deal with it through therapy. If I'm hearing you correctly, is that something that you had to sort out to, to get to deal with yeah. what you experienced? I went on a spiritual journey with plant medicine in Mexico, um, because I wanted to tap into my divine feminine. It made me very masculine, right? That I was in the music business and I had to deal with, I had to build this tough exterior. And Mm -hmm. I no longer wanted to have that tough exterior. Mm -hmm. But how do you let that exterior go? You You don't really know how to let that go and so you, you, you either have to, one, go through therapy, two, go to church, mm-hmm. <laughs> see God, three, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. plant medicine, which is what the, the, the route that I chose because I felt like it would recalibrate my brain to get help me get out of my own way. Now, that, this way is not for everybody, and I, and I don't want to remotely suggest that, but that's mm-hmm. what I felt. I needed to do. So that's what I did. And I was able to tap more into my divine feminine um, and let that tough exterior go because I didn't feel like it was necessary moving mm-hmm. forward in my life. Mm-hmm. I just, I just didn't, I just didn't feel like it was necessary. Yeah. You know, I've had people on this show and just people, you know, in my life that's dealing in this music industry and in hip hop that talk about they felt the need again for the tough exterior or to wear a hat to hide their long hair or their locks or just to hide their femininity so they could avoid dealing with any type of sexist comments. Um, And with me being in this industry, I definitely struggle with that. So I find myself asking you ladies that dealt with it in the past or could be dealing with it currently how you dealt with it because I feel like it's helping me, you know, I'm very much 
you know, I am who I am. I look how I look and I dress how I dress, but it's, it's because that's just who I am. I don't, you know, unfortunately at times it does comes with a black backlash, but I know that's not my fault, you know, but I also know that I have to be conscious of it and protect myself, you know, which is just unfortunate when you're dealing with in a male dominated space. Well, I will say I didn't know how to deal with it as a young woman. Mm -hmm. I was in my twenties. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it at the time, but I was very attractive. I didn't know. I'm just bright eyed and bushy tailed and I'm just like, I'm here. And yeah, I got pounced on. So I didn't know how to deal with it. Um, mm -hmm. Now, decades later, mm -hmm. I know how to deal with it. And I try to help other women deal with that. Um, I also try to help and, 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 and um, mentor other young women. So if they're ever faced with it or, or how they even deal with it. Because to be honest with you, I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. But you you you, you get through it and, then, and you learn by trial and error, but mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the way, mm -hmm. but it's the way I had to learn. You know, thank you for that. And thank you for serving as a mentor for, for us um, women coming up. When you think of the time when you were dealing with that, how important was sisterhood? Did you have that sisterhood? Was that camaraderie there for you? I saw your eyes went up. I don't know how to take that, Shantae, but um, how, how was well, that not for really, you? you not really, because mm -hmm. I think the people who experienced it were too scared at the time to talk about it. And I think the people who I spoke to about it may have not gone through it. And when I say that, you know, like if I spoke to my mom or if I spoke to my grandmother, well, they were never in the music business. So they didn't know this vulture business that I was in. You know, mm -hmm. so they're giving me advice, but they don't really, who are you getting counsel from? You have mm -hmm. to make sure that you're getting counsel from someone that has gone through what you're experiencing. And I've gone through it all, mm -hmm. every bit of it. So I'm the best counsel for young women and I am determined to be the voice for young women and to help them because you just don't know. You don't know and you're just you're just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and you're just coming in like, hey. Mm -hmm. And you know, and and and, and, it, and it's it's vultures. It just it just is and they're like, "Oh, this is new me. Oh, we're going to get her." Like she don't know no better. And and it's unfortunate, but it's the business, you know, at least the music business that I was in, the TV business early on that I was in, I can't speak to everybody's experience. I, I, I would never do that, but, you know, I want to be, I want to be helpful to the next mm -hmm. generation. So if they are experiencing something like, like, like that and they say something to me about it, I can say, well, you know, this is what I suggest you do because mm -hmm. it, having the knowledge is invaluable. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, thank you for sharing that. Come on, big sis, you better come through. I love that. Okay, can we talk about the transition from music into TV, film, and being executive of that? Like, who inspired that transition, and how did that happen? I don't think anybody inspired it. I think I got in a place where I was like, mm, I'm not really satisfied. I'm not really happy. I'm not really fulfilled in music. And mm -hmm. The higher, the better I did, the higher I was catapulted in my career, but I was further away from the music. And I was okay. more in the meetings and more in the, the, the business of the music. And I wanted, I'm, I was a studio rat. I wanted to be in the studio. I'm the girl that was in the studio all night with my artists and they could all attest to it. Like that was me. And mm. I, I I wanted to be that person, and, and I I hate to say when you as you get elevated in your career, you know, but it removes you from that. Mm -hmm. You're no longer a part of the magic. You you get the magic secondhand, and you're you know you're you're, you're trying to make things happen once you get the music. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to do this. So, I, mm -hmm. so in my mind, I was like, oh, I'll get into TV and film because then I could be creative. But little mm -hmm. did I know it's the same thing, you know, and I, and, and I really didn't think that through and I really didn't talk to people about it. But then who else in my life had that trajectory? Who else went from music to TV? Like who could, who could, who could give me counsel? Nobody mm -hmm. could give me counsel on that. Cause nobody did that. So I just had to learn that on my own. I can give counsel to other people now on what to do and what not to do, but there was no one to tell me what to do and what not to do in that respect. Hmm. So what did you learn? How, how did, I mean, so I, you, I self learned, self you don't, you don't quit your job until you have another job. <laughs> That's what I did learn. Um, I learned that, uh, skills are not transferable a lot of times we would love to think they are but they're not and so people are looking at you like I know what you did over there but what can you do over here so just don't assume that your skills are transferable um, I learned that um, you know there's a learning curve and to have a cushion to have uh, to have a uh, a financial cushion before mm -hmm. you start making who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage egg and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off ba da ba 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 making these bold moves like I learned it the hard way Oh, wow. Okay. Well, uh, talk to us about some of the projects that um, you worked on, Shantae Page. I know there's a list. I I don't want to run it down. I want you to run it down for the people. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I want to say when I transitioned, I worked for Tyler Perry, um, and it was invaluable. It was invaluable. It was an invaluable experience, and I I produced 222 episodes of content with Tyler Perry. And I'm so grateful for Roger Bob, um, Will Aroo, Ozzy Aroo, uh, and the whole experience. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, you know, I, I once I left them, I started building my own my own production company and, and and working on my own content. And now I have my own production services company, and I produce anything from commercials to non-scripted series to scripted series to moving into movies like i've done documentaries and now i'm moving into movies so yeah mm-hmm. what is your favorite um piece of content to make like you said you got documentaries you got film you got tv shows commercials what gives you the most passion or- feel good stories i love a feel good story whether it's scripted whether it's non-scripted whether it's even um you know, and not and reality shows are non-scripted, but mm-hmm. anything that, that that has purpose and it feels good, those mm-hmm. are stories I want to tell. I'm a storyteller, so I really mm-hmm. want to tell compelling stories. I feel like that's something you had to bring from the music industry into film because music, especially hip hop, R and B, of course. I mean, then profile like the song you mentioned earlier. It's all about storytelling. They tell amazing. Stories. Yeah. When you worked with Tyler, when you worked with Tyler Perry, what what was that experience like? Like what what did you learn from working with the Tyler Perry? Oh my God, I learned so <laughs> much from working with Tyler Perry, so much. But the but the biggest takeaway for me was a can do attitude. Like there is no such thing as you can't do something. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. no such thing as two days out how the hell are we going to do this figure it out like you figure it the fuck out and I'm sorry like that's that's what he taught me you know and and he would he would come up with an idea on a Tuesday and say we're going to execute this on a Friday and you just got to execute it it was no how do we do this how do we just got to figure it out and so yeah. I, I have a very, I've, I've adapted a can-do attitude as a result of that, you know, and mm-hmm. he shot episodes in a day when Hollywood was shooting episodes in a week. And Hollywood mm-hmm. was looking at him like, what are you doing? Or we don't do that. Like, Wah. and now Hollywood is having to adapt to his model because budgets are being cut. So go figure. I'm so grateful for the experience that I that that I had with Tyler and um, just his mindset and his work ethic and his work hustle, like this man never stops. He never stops. So how can you work for somebody who never stops? You can't. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta join them. Mm-hmm. I see that with you. You're, you're, you're not stopping it as, as well. Talk to me about being um, appointed to uh, the lead of Future Studios, the production hub in Atlanta. Are you still doing your thing with Future Studios? I, no. So with Future, I am not. Future okay. decided that they weren't going to continue with their production hub in Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, it just didn't make uh, sense for them. Okay. However, I am doing other things uh, in the short form content realm. Like I just produced 
and directed a Chevy commercial with Laz Alonzo, my HU comrade. Um, and he had um, special guest uh, Derek Weber, who is a sports marketer, and Chris Weber, <laughs> Chris Spencer, sorry, Chris Spencer, who is a comedian, a writer. Chris does so many things. So mm -hmm. it, it was, it, that was an invaluable experience. Mm. So what else do you have um, coming up in the future when it comes to um, your production company? She's a movement media group. What, what can the people expect in the near future? So I realigned with my good friend, Ricky Smiley. I produced uh, five seasons, five successful seasons of his reality show on TV one. And now we have joined forces again, and I am producing his podcast. I'm so excited about it. It is so, it's fun. Um, I, like, my throat hurt the first week after filming just because I laughed so hard. Uh, Ricky is a nut. Um, and it, it, it's just... It's just a really good time. And then I'm able to bring in people that I've known for decades to interview with him. And, um, and, and, and I'm able to watch Ricky really come alive interviewing people. Because when he interviews on the radio, he's constantly stopped by commercial breaks and music breaks and this break and that break. But in this, we just go. We go. Mm. And, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I'm, and I'm, and I mean, knowing him for a decade and watching him, I'm like, this man is really coming in. He's coming alive, mm -hmm. talking to these people and talking about topics that are really important to him. Um, so that excites me. That, that project excites me more than anything. Okay, Shante, you know, Women in Hip Hop Podcast, we need a producer. I'm a one-woman show. I could get, I could need some okay. help, sis. Okay, all right. I'm all for helping. I love that. So shout out to Ricky Smiley. That's great. Like you said, he is a hell of a talent and a great, great comedian slash radio personality and interviewer. So I'm going to be looking forward to seeing more with the podcast. Now, in this part of the show, I do have um, this segment where I call it confessional hour. I usually ask like five questions and it warrants one word answers, usually. <laughs> okay. okay. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. I stay ready, so I have to get ready. Period, that's my girl. Okay, give me your favorite film of all time. The Notebook. Good, do you have a favorite TV show of all time? Mm, no, because in various times of my life, it changed. Various decades, it changed. Okay. Now, as an A&R, I know we talked about this earlier when it comes to, like, the hit that you was a part of that stands out to you. And I know with A&R, for a lot of people, you guys discover talent, correct? Yes. What artists did you discover that the people don't know? I would say Kim. I don't think a lot of people know I discovered Kim. Yeah. That's my fellow Detroiter right there. We love Kim yeah. and the D. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people um, don't do that. Hmm. Can you give me a little backstory on how you found Kim? If you don't, but how did you, how did you discover so him? So my cousin played me 
Kim's music at a barbecue. And I went into the office the very next Monday and was like, can we do the analytics on this? Can we pull up how many records, how many CDs he's selling? Like what's happening? What's the movement in Detroit? And I started doing research. But my cousin, Derek Haskett, and he has a plaque on his wall to this day because he's the one that put me on to Kim. Wow. That I is credit what credit is due. I think that's one of the blackest stories I ever heard in music. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was over a cookout, over some, over some chicken and some, yeah, everything on the grill. Yep. <laughs> And what a lot of people don't know, you used to be a manager back in the day and you manage a group that a young Michael Ely was a part of. Can you tell us about that? He got pipes I did. Right I did. When I was at Howard, graduated from Howard, um, I managed a group. Michael Ely was the base in the group. And I also managed a girl group that Egypt Sherrod, who has a show on HGTV, was a part of. So I want to say at, at a very young age, I had like a, a like a knack for talent. Yeah. Come on, Michael Ely. I managed like Jennings like five years ago. That was the last artist I managed. So yeah, management has, it's like the music never leaves you. Mm-hmm. You get called back into it. Mm, if there was one artist, is there an artist out right now that you're listening to that you feel if they was around back in your day, you would have signed them. Who was that? Oh, um, what's his name? Um, Orlando. Um, the, the Marvin Gaye. Uh, October King. October. October. <laughs> October. I would have signed him. I would have flown to wherever he is. I would have been like, we're not leaving this location. I'm signing you right now. Like, who are you? Like, that's somebody, like, that would have excited me. In the music business, you want that exciting artist that you're like, I'm going to stop, drop, and roll. Like, we're not leaving this room. Like, you're going to get your attorneys here. We're going to make do whatever we need to do. We're going to get some food. We're going to make it happen. Mm. He's that guy. Mm. He's that guy. I would have, oh, yes. I would have been so excited to sign somebody like that. Yes, I love that one. I just got hip to him not too long ago, so I've been following him. He is amazing. Amazing. Okay. Turned on to him maybe about almost shoot, like eight, nine months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, he's it. That's he's the it. one. Okay. I heard that um a young Usher slept on your couch. <laughs> Usher slept on my couch. So yes. So when he was staying with Sean P. Diddy Combs, I know him as Puff. Um, Puff, he had a kid staying with him. He didn't want to deal with that. So he would be like, okay, can you keep Usher, you know, babysit. It wasn't babysit. I mean, he was 15, 16 years old. It wasn't babysitting. But he would basically be like, can Usher stay? And so Usher would stay on my couch. Usher actually drove with me to D.C. and stayed on my mama's couch. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Not Usher, a couch potato. Was he a nice house guest? How was Usher? Yes, he was. He was such. He was such a great kid. 
and I, I don't want to call him a kid because he was a young man, um, but he was he was amazing. He was talented. I knew he was a star. I knew, you know, he was a star in the making. But, um, yeah. Yes, he did. How, how the hell did you know that? <laughs> I'm a journalist. You know, I got to oh. do my little research. <laughs> wow, you dug deep. <laughs> and I love that, um, just seeing how... He became who he is today, the superstar with the residency in Vegas. And like, and you see what he's about to do with the Super Bowl halftime show. So, I mean. Yeah, he, he's amazing. I'm so proud of him. And, and he is, he is a musical genius. Like, Usher is, he's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you could pick one, music industry or TV and film industry, which one? Hmm. I would say it all because it never leaves you. Like the music, once you're a part of the music business, the music mm -hmm. business never leaves you, mm -hmm. ever. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't ever escape that if I, if I wanted to. So, mm -hmm. as much as I'm in TV and film, I still deal with music. I still have to score it. I still have to do um, license other people's music. When I produce, uh, when I produce Beyond the Pole, I still had to reach out to State Seal and say, give me some stripper music, some Atlanta stripper music, because I have to make these scenes come to life. And if it's not if it's not true to the Atlanta stripper culture, nobody's gonna believe me. So you, you, I, 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 I don't know. I don't think you can have one without the other. I love that. Okay, giving both. All right, I love that. So before you go, if you can, Give me one word to describe the feeling that you're in right now. Not a sentence, just one word. What would it be? Nostalgic. Nostalgic. Because ah! uh, <laughs> it's so much happening right now. And you mm. know when you're just you're just you're just working. You're just working, you're just doing. And you mm. you can't even slow down to to see the the rewards of what you're doing. But all of a sudden it all comes together. That's kind of what's happening right now. I'm just, I'm just in hustle mode, and it's all happening. But it's all everybody's about to see. Um, so yeah, I love that, Shantae Page. Thank you so much for sitting here with me, interviewing with Woman in Hip Hop Podcast. Continue to be a like, continue to be a big sis in this industry, and continue to inspire us all. And thank you. Thank you. And shout out to our girl, China. Yes. Shout out to China for making this happen. She yes. was insisting on this. And, but this was something that I wanted as well. When I was watching um, the Netflix ladies first documentary and they were talking about, of course, the women on the mic, but they did a quick little flash and, and, and pay homage to the women behind the scenes that made a lot of things happen. And my girl, Shate Page face, boom, flash right there. The documentary. I don't know if you saw that. But they showed you some love, so I'm so honored to have you here. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't see that, but thank you. Yes, yes, I love that. I love that because we, you know, and and, and the women that paved the ways before me, it's like it's really important, and I don't, and I want really want young women to realize how important that is because we fought some fights, and mm -hmm. the women before me fought some fights. So mm -hmm. yeah. That's, wait, you know what? If you can, shout out to the woman that 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 paved the way for you. I, I know, I think you mentioned Sylvia Ron earlier, but like there were some women that paved the way. If you want to shout them out, please. Oh yes, yeah. Sylvia Ron paved the way. Sharon Hayward 
paved the way. Denise Brown, who's still my attorney, to this day paved the way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to say um, Suzanne DePass, who was also born on the same day as me. She paved the way. Yes, absolutely. Legend. Oh, I have to ask this as woman of hip hop. Give me your top five favorite female rappers of all time before you go. Latifah. Um, absolutely. Lil Kim. Um, MC Light. Three. I gotta throw in there. Um, I gotta get some newbies. And now it's kind of a crossover hodgepodge. I don't know if they're rappers. I don't know. I don't know what the. I don't know what category it's in, right? Because is are they rapping? Are they singing? Are they? I love Lizzo. I love her, and 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 I think she does a little of of it all. Um, I love Meg The Stallion. I love Cardi B. Yeah. All right, you just gave me six. I'll take it. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ate, and please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, sis. Any way I can be of assistance, I will. Thank you so much, and I'll take you up on that offer. We'll talk soon. All right. (laughs) Okay, bye. created a space where we can celebrate the unsung and the undervalued. A place where we focus on the many talents and influences for women within the culture in hopes to inspire women everywhere to overcome adversity in a male-dominated world. Welcome to Women in Hip Hop. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.